of the Culture Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and this is not only a new episode of A Culture Shock, but it is part two of my conversations with Christina Peichels. Christina Peichels and I started with the part one of the conversation, which I hope everyone has listened to, talking about some of the specifics and uh, behind-the-curtain look at what it is to be a working actor in the film industry. And I thought as compelling as that was, when we started moving into the topics of her new YouTube show, which points fun in a delicate and sarcastic manner, some of the absurdities that we see taking over the zeitgeist that seem to have taken a stranglehold over better judgment. And oftentimes we ignore the reality that common sense is different depending on your region and place of uh, growing up and your culture. However, there are some basic ways of living that we have gone away from. Some items where we have lost nuance and we've lost uh, context. And in those moments, it does feel like we need to reintegrate some of that complexity back into our conversations and our lifestyles. And I think Christina has done a very excellent job of, in a humorous manner, showing some of these absurdities so that we can help course correct. It's a breath of fresh air to have someone talk so openly about the things that many of us are feeling, many of us are observing, and yet most of us don't want to bother to get into an argument with someone in order to instill this idea of nuance, context, etc. I want to thank Christina for her time, and I want to, uh, and I appreciate our conversation to be able to sort of look at the world around us and point out some of the things that perhaps we're off track on. I think many of us feel a sense of existential dread and unhappiness and certainly anxiety, especially if you're living in Los Angeles or in America in general. But by pointing out some of these areas where we've maybe gotten off course, where we've taken our eyes off the prize, it offers us the opportunity to perhaps adjust, to recalibrate, to recenter, and to move forward in a far more balanced, even keeled way. And I think that this conversation touched on many of those points. So thank you to Christina for her time. Thank you for you to you all for your time listening to this podcast. And without further ado, my guest, A Breath of Fresh Air with Christina Peichels. History repeats itself. And history tells us, look, everything is a cycle. Mm-hmm. Everything comes back around. And I, I always like to refer to it as a pendulum mm-hmm. because it's e- it's easier for people to see that how, you know, we can go from the far right to the far left to the far right to the far left on whatever subject. Mm-hmm. It's it's not even just politics. It's it's everything. You know, there's this it just swings. It just swings. But then eventually, you know, the pendulum loses momentum and has to stop in the middle. Yeah. And I I think that's that's where we're approaching. It, 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 it's been just too chaotic for so long that people are burned out. Mm-hmm. And when you burn out, you all you want is some stability, mm-hmm. right? That you want things to be calm. You want uh, you want the easier road. You don't want to constantly be fighting with people, you know, on on the internet or your neighbors or you know you you don't want war but ironically i mean history says you know when the people get fed up with the status quo not being fair if you want to perceive there's such a thing 
then what traditionally happens is the people start to take back the power. Yeah. Now, I, I don't necessarily see us going, well, I, I guess we better be careful here because a certain somebody is trying to start a war. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I don't see us going in that direction this time because I, I think, you know, civilization, we've just reached a different stage. What I could see happening, though, and and what I'd like to see happening, and, and it does seem to be like there is, you know, a spark. And I think it's I think it's it's going to start with the pushback on the media mm-hmm. because we can we can clearly see how so much of this fear mongering, this control, this even brainwashing to a degree is it is from the media. And, you know, I'm using media in the widest terms. So everything it, it's it's news media, it's entertainment media, it's the political media, it's every form of media, you know, this, this divisiveness, this, you, you know, you've got to pick a side, you got to be outraged, you got to pick a side, you got to be outraged, you got, you know, and people are just getting exhausted. Yeah. And, and a big example, I think was as this pandemic just kept dragging on and dragging on and dragging on, you know, and every day the news is telling you what new horrific thing, you know, blah, this, blah, that people arguing about masks and this and that. And while some of it is obviously very important and serious, it just leads to that burnout. And now that people are burning out and they also are starting to question the narratives like, yeah. why does it have to be this or that? Why is there no rational thing in the middle? Like, why why can't we have rational solutions anymore? It, it looks like people are start, starting to say, hey, uh, I don't trust you anymore. And I think that is, you know, if, number one, we have corporations taking over the media. You know, when the media is owned by a handful of billionaires, yeah. you sh- should be questioning it you should be concerned i'm not saying that's a recent thing i mean billionaires have been owning newspapers and and so on and so forth for you know decades but if all of our media is being controlled by a handful of people you you know that is that is not a good thing and the other thing i have noticed especially like talking about twitter and so on and so forth there have been so many people who, you know, they call themselves journalists. Well, legendary <laughs> journalists, some of them. <laughs> right. But they call themselves journalists. And yet, you know, they, they, they write stories, they publish things, they put out their tweet thoughts or whatever. And then they do not like the criticism or the responses they get. And so they, they, they put themselves back in this bubble, you know, they'll eat they, my favorite ones are the the so-called journalists that will just, you know, lock their tweet. Like they'll, oh, yeah. you know, no replies. I'm like, how are you a journalist? And you're, you're, you do not allow any criticism. That is just crazy. That's, a, word, that's because, a red flag. Yes, because they are supposed to work for us. They are supposed to work for the people. And if they can't handle the people saying, hey, um, you know, correction here or, hey, uh, you know, especially when we're talking about opinions, that's my other issue. Like journalists should not be expressing their opinions. Yeah. If you want to be a journalist, you, you, you are supposed to be, you know, non-bias reporting facts. If you want to be a talking head who just, you know, spouts your opinions out into the stratosphere, by all means, but remove the journalist from your, from your. So I don't see any value in that. Why do I give a fuck about a talking heads opinion? 
Right. And I, you know, my hope is that's another thing that's kind of reaching a peak where people are like, why do I care about this stranger's 10 cents on, uh, you know, especially because, like I said, in a lot of these instances, it's, it's like, you know, I, I see that you have journalists on your profile. Did you, you know, did you actually get a degree? Because I see ethical issues here in what you're doing. And, you know, that shouldn't be there. That shouldn't be at all. But they, but the other thing is they, they also seem to be acting this very superiority, you know, like this, this idea that, oh, just because I'm a journalist or I'm a member of the media, I am better than thee now. Like they they think there's some different class of people and that's not going to fly for long. Like you, again, you are supposed to work for the people. You, you are not supposed to be out here like let's just let's just be honest they're they're serving themselves it it's narcissistic it's egoist you know egomaniacal like i just need to have my voice and my opinions be heard and you're going to listen to me and i don't care what your criticism is you know um well, there's a there's a trajectory that you can follow that you can really see how we got to this point you know reagan in the 80s deregulated much of the media where there previously mm-hmm. existed this obligation to give equal time to a particular subject. So if we're talking about, I don't know, financial spending, you'll spend 10 minutes on the left's viewpoint on it and you'll spend 10 minutes on the right's viewpoint on it. You also mentioned that, yes, while obviously newspapers and, and media have been owned by wealthy people forever, there's a certain level of capital needed to produce this. You know, I, I'm sure in your hometown, the same thing. It used to be that there was like three or four papers to a town. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that level of competition, you have to sort of appeal to the broadest group of folks. Because if you yeah. don't, if you only appeal to like the small minority of people, you're going to be, you're going to go to business, right? Because the paper that appeals to mm-hmm. everyone is going to get more. Over time, and the same thing with news channels, right? Over time, however, that's all, and in even even all entertainment, there. Yes, over time, however, newspapers ran the ink ran dry, so to speak, and most places only have one newspaper. Many of those columns are syndicated across multiple papers. Big conglomerates have purchased a bunch of different newspapers and and news programs, and so where there may have been multiple owners competing now there's like three or four people who own literally all the media that you consume and so there is no longer any sort of obligation nor is there any emphasis on ethics generally speaking across society i think ethics is one of those is is quickly becoming a lost art i see it in the magic Mm -hmm. community i see it in film community i see it in pretty much every facet of society, the idea of ethics. And th- again, when you live in a world that is that is rooted in postmodernism, where there is no meaning to life, there is no meaning towards everything, and everything is okay from a certain perspective, it's very hard to marry that with any sort of ethical process. So with the degradation of ethics and, um, and pride and professionalism and mm-hmm. the, the – media outlets and accountability and accountability (laughs) and the media outlets being owned by just a handful of people the the what we you know this is a little bit of a buzzword but like the mainstream media what we traditionally think of as media has become a, a series of opinion pieces that are generally the opinion of 
whatever market they're trying to corner. So if you're a conservative or a neo-Victorian newspaper, you're going to or news program, you're going to cater all the opinions and all the every all the angles are slanted in a certain direction. And if you're a uh, you know a cosmopolitan based newspaper or program, your angles and opinions are all going to slant a different direction. But they will all you know like if you think about like a slant, like if you draw a slant, like a slash, right? Mm-hmm. If you imagine the bottom or the top, it doesn't matter which way the slash goes, right? There's always one side of it that points opposite the other side, but the opposite, yeah. the other side of the slash faces inward, right? No matter which way mm-hmm. it goes. So if you think about two slashes that, that the top points outward from one another and you could say, well, these, these are very drastically different programs, but they're all rooted in the same position, right? They're all blooming yeah. from the same stem. If you want to think of it like a tree and two different branches, like the trunk is the same. And so that unreliability that people are starting to feel stems from that. They're starting to realize to some degree, and I don't even know if it's a majority, but certainly a significant amount of folks are starting to realize that the tree has one centralized trunk and it doesn't serve mm-hmm. them. And so you start to see people like Joe Rogan, doesn't matter what your opinion of him is. He is the king of media, right? Right now. His podcast is doing beyond gangbusters. You have people like, mm-hmm. you know, just a few years before him, John Stewart on The Daily Show. John yeah. Stewart, before there was a Joe Rogan, really opened the door for this sort of alternative news source, this alternative figurehead. Like there's a there was a sincerity in John Stewart that you weren't getting from your Barbara Walters or whomever was on the local news program. You know, that, mm-hmm. that I think that, that from Jon Stewart, you open the door to a Joe Rogan. And from a Joe Rogan, you open the door to a Russell Brand and so on and so forth. And so there are these alternative news sources, which doesn't mean that they're reliable. It just means they're alternative that, yeah. that are opening up and people are gravitating towards because they're sick of what they hear in what we traditionally consider to be media. And I think that there is – if nothing else, a refreshing change that comes from someone unabashedly speaking their mind and not presenting mm-hmm. the facade of being objective when it's very obvious that they're not objective. And so I think it opens mm-hmm. a door for people to speak openly and freely, although they'll face controversy because I, I think all the people I mentioned there at some point or another were called some sort of conspiracy theorist or, or uh, shill oh, for the yeah. shill for the man or, you know, even mm-hmm. John Stewart, who was like universally beloved, like he still got his fair share of criticism as well. So it's not like they're, they're existing unscathed. And yet you look at their numbers and it's very evident. Like I think Russell Brand's got like 5 million. I, I mean, if he's got 5 yeah. million, God, Joe Rogan must have 5 billion. Who knows? He's got a ton. Right. Mm-hmm. And so unique, uniquely individualistic voices that are asking hard questions and are questioning the status quo are becoming more popular, which opens the door for people who are very talented, charismatic, and are unafraid to speak their mind to find an avenue to present their voices, i.e. start a YouTube channel where you make videos (laughs) talking about all the shit that's not working in an honest (laughs) and sometimes offensive manner because the truth can sometimes ruffle your feathers. Yeah. Uh, with a hefty dose of sarcasm. Because, you know, I, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said for people 
tra- traditionally speaking, I mean, this this goes all the way back to 400 BC, like. True story. Oh yes, the, the beginning. I, I remember the that beginning year. of that was, theater. That was a good year. <laughs> the beginning of uh, of theater, and actually, you know, there's a there's a Greek poet who many attribute to being the 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 beginner of comedy because he wrote um, he wrote a play challenging uh, the, the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, he it was it was a political sort of driven piece. I think it was a satire, um, but. It, it created that outrage. It created that backlash, you know, because it was something that had never been done before. It was it was sort of holding that mirror up to power and hypocrisy mm-hmm. and saying, look at yourselves. Look, look what you have become. And so there there is this rooted thing in history that says people can handle something that is maybe, you know, uh, challenging them challenging their way of thinking Mm -hmm. if if you can make it entertaining and particularly funny right you know they they are far more willing to hear you out if you're if you're not preaching to them to to a degree Mm -hmm. you're 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 just saying hey hear me out rather than this is what you have to believe this is the narrative you're going to read it forty six thousand times and there is no alternative. Yeah. You know, people don't want to hear that, but comedians have historically been that sort of like dancing on the line of what is morally right. There's, they play with moral ambiguity because it's part of, it's part of the job. It's part of that. You know, if you, if you've ever, uh, you know, been to some, to, to live standup or something, one of my favorite things is what a comedian tells a joke and the audience goes, Ooh, (laughs) You know, because instead of laughing immediately, they were like, "Ooh, I feel like I should be upset by that." Or, sh- or and is it okay to laugh? That's a big question. Like, sh- yeah, can I laugh yeah. At that? Ooh, yeah. And it's because what they just said is again, it's 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 dancing on that line of what what is what is right here, mm-hmm. what is the ethical thing here, and they are doing that on purpose. They are presenting you with that so that we as a society go, okay. Um, maybe we need to talk about that. Yeah. Maybe we need to think about that. Maybe it's not black and white. Maybe it's gray. You know, that's the kind of thing that they've been able to do for uh, millennia Um, (laughs) or depending on how, you know, long you think humans have been here, whatever. (laughs) Um, But, you know, this is, this is rooted in history. It, it, it goes all the way back, all the way back. That's, you know, so old, but, uh, entertainers, in particular, comedians, sort of standing to power, and and speaking truth, but doing it through this sort of humorous, less uh, offensive approach. Even though sometimes it can be quite offensive, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's the point. Sometimes you want it to be offensive because you know the, what you're outraged about isn't what you should be outraged about. You should be outraged about this. Yeah. Well, you know. and I think I think it's I think a telling sign that there is a change coming uh, is the pushback. You can always tell mm-hmm. when things are changing when when things start to get really controversial. And, and you mentioned comedians, and they've been at the forefront of this culture war, right? I mean, we we alluded yeah. earlier to the Will Smith slap of Chris Rock. He told a joke, yeah. and it resulted in violence. And yep. and the opinions 
we're fairly divided down the middle. There's your your sort of conscious objectors to caring about rich celebrity assholes, but <laughs> most people were split, you know, on sides. And um, I think that if you if you if you grabbed randomly two tweets of opposing, you know, if you found a Twitter argument over the matter and you looked at two people and you followed their tweet history, you could predict what what their beliefs are based on their reaction to it. Yeah. And I think that because comedians have traditionally been the vanguards of pushing sensibility, challenging norms, making you question your held beliefs. Um, mm-hmm. And because, and again, look, look, we mentioned Russell Brand, John Stewart and Joe Rogan. They're yeah. comedians at their core. They all yeah. have a stand-up background, a comedian background. So mm-hmm. as you start to see people, gravitating towards these folks who are challenging their worldview in some regard. You see the pushback, the ad hum attacks, the bad faith attacks, conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists, Nazi, alt-right, communist, <laughs> pedophile, you know, jeepers, uh, a monster, uh, whatever, whatever, you know, Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot, who knows what the fuck is the newest in, insult that is, you know, literally a Nazi, you know, that kind of sh- ableism, whatever it may be like the- ableism. That's the new one. <laughs> well, it's, it's, but that's a byproduct of it, right? Because you have to right. first demonize someone, then you have to yeah. justify how you demonize them. And then you lean onto things that you presume most people will agree with. So for example, I don't think, I don't think 99% of people that you question are going to think it's cool to make fun of someone with a handicap. I really don't. Conservative, non-conservative. I think that if you see someone in a wheelchair or whatever, and you see someone, some bully making fun of them, I don't think. I think most people are going to. I would like to believe most people will come to the defense of the or of the less. Uh, well, let me put it this way: people will come to defend those who are being picked on, bullied, uh, and mistreated. I, I truly do believe mm-hmm. that. Now, does that? apply to everything that's the question but people feel i mean you know enableism is a bit of a buzz term nowadays but really at its core what it really means is hey don't pick on people who are less fortunate than you right Mm -hmm. that's that's a that's a belief that i think most people hold and so in the process of demonizing someone who challenged you You've got to find. You got to justify the demonization, and in this instance, in the in the instance of this particular event, people lean on on the ableism as a as a method as a method to which to justify physical violence of a bigger man to a smaller older man, mm-hmm. which apparently is fine for some people. <laughs> you know, sure. in, because because that's the, that's the great hypocrisy, and, and and the hypocrisy is one of the reasons why people are turning off because. Mm-hmm. They see these people championing under the under the pretense of oh well we've got to protect people from being made fun of because of physical ailments that maybe are beyond their control. Fine, cool. I think most people would agree, but then we justify physical violence. So it's like the old adage: "Sticks and stones uh, can break my bones, but words would never hurt me." Has been flipped on its head. Yeah, and. If you can't recognize the sheer hypocrisy of of justifying physical violence because of your perception of verbal violence or mean <laughs> words, then yeah. then you're 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 very out of touch and you're very lacking in self awareness. 
but a lot mm-hmm. of people are recognizing it and they're seeing this yeah. and they're saying, this shit ain't for me, man. Like, I don't agree with this yeah. side. I don't agree with that side. I think mm-hmm. that there's a different, you know, look, I, I don't give a fuck about, you know, rich Scientologist assholes. I don't, I don't care about them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, I don't give a shit about J.D. Smith, Will Smith. I don't, I've heard terrible yeah. things about them. I've heard great things about them. Who knows? I've never met him. Have no opinion one way or another. Right. Whether or not you thought a joke was appropriate or otherwise, I'm also not mm-hmm. here to discuss or to debate, right. but, but there's certainly, and in an, in an older world, there would have been a consensus that advocating for the physical violence of a bigger, stronger, younger man against a smaller, mm-hmm. weaker, older man is not okay because right. we used to be a society that, well, maybe we didn't. I like to, in my rose colored glasses, like to believe <laughs> And full myself into believing that we used to be a society that protected the weak, right? Where we protected the weak against mm-hmm. the strong yeah. oppressors, right? The whole idea yeah. behind World War II, the great generation, was we were protecting those who could not protect themselves. And now mm-hmm. we've just degraded into different kind of bulliness. And people recognize yeah. that. They see it. More and more people are seeing that. They're, it doesn't compute. Like, they can't marry the two things. How can you be against ableism but for physical violence from a bigger guy to a smaller guy? It doesn't. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't match. So then now the door's open. So who are the yeah. new voices who are going to say, okay, this is wrong. This narrative is wrong. And that narrative is wrong. This is maybe how we should talk about it and open the door for discussion. And it's one of the things that I appreciate about Russell Brand is that when he makes a personal opinion, he almost always caps with, but that's just my opinion. Tell me what you think. Leave a comment below. As opposed yeah. to these traditional media outlets that you had mentioned earlier that will post an opinion and then lock their comment section because mm-hmm. they don't want the discourse. They don't no. want to be challenged. They don't want to hear, you know, objective views. And yes, there's trolling. I'm sure they don't want to see as well. But you know what, dude, journalist guy, person, post your opinion and then set your phone down and you'll never see it. You'll never see exactly. any of that stuff. You don't need to block comments. You don't have to keep it people from talking. Just set your phone down and go outside and enjoy the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Hang out with your family. Meet your neighbor. Read a book. Yeah. My you know, my issue with that though is that again, if you are somebody who wants to put such a you know, a, a firm opinion about whatever the subject is, if you want to put it out there for the world, um you should be willing and and you should look at the the responses, the criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, you you should be open to seeing what is, what is the alternative view here, if there is one. And it, it you know this this excuse that they use with like there's trolls, there's bots, there's whatever. I'm like, go oh, fuck off. <laughs> I don't know if you will yes. make curse, but awesome. you know my my first uh, live stream on YouTube that I was just testing, I got a porn bot. Sweet. You know, in my I know in my little chat room and I was actually kind of like, this is hilarious. And I wanted to click on it. Yeah. But it turns out I couldn't even click. So I was like, what was the point? Yeah. Like what was, what was the point of that? Impotent porn bot. (laughs) Apparently just my luck. (laughs) But you know, I'm like, it wasn't, we all had a laugh about it. You know? Oh, look, I got a bot. Yay. A porn bot. And then I, I actually just put him in timeout. Oh, there you go. I thought that I thought that was kind of fun, but uh, you know, I, look, 
you don't if you're scrolling through comments or replies or whatever and you clearly see like spam or a bot or whatever you, you just scroll past it move on or, yeah but if you're if you're getting like a load of objective criticism to to something that you said you know like hey um especially when you're writing an opinion piece on something you are clearly not fully informed on yeah which i can't stand but they're doing it more and more you know one that was recent that oh god just made my jaw drop and i it was the new york times it printed an op-ed and the title was something like you know don't play with your children hmm. um okay uh i was like what and apparently this 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 author is like you know she she writes blogs or something but She's constantly kind of bitching about her parenting or whatever. It's just, eh. but this, the the op-ed really was essentially a push for childhood emotional neglect. That's like terrible. it was literally, yeah, it was literally, you know, just like a hey, I don't play with my kids because they bother me. Um, and maybe you shouldn't and- have kids. Maybe kids aren't an accessory that you can carry around like your dog in your hand mm. perhaps mm. it's a responsibility that one must have it's like, like when <laughs> i was a kid and you wanted a pet what was the old adage that your parents said oh well you got to take care of it like yeah you know i remember i remember the old phrase used so to be like a lot of responsibility you know the, the problem with kittens they become cats right or <laughs> the yeah. they become dogs like they're cute for like a minute but then you know you got to feed them mm-hmm. and take them out and pick up their shit and all that other stuff like there's accountability and responsibility for everything that we do. And it doesn't mean that it's, that it doesn't offset the joy that you get, but mm-hmm. it is part of being an adult. And I think that we are a woefully prepared generation for adulthood. Mm-hmm. Our generation specifically, and I guess I, I, we kind of fall in that in between, between Gen X and millennials, right? Resenials or what have you. But like, Oh, from yeah. I don't know from us downward. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I don't I don't know much about Zen, Gen Z. I'm pretty old, so I don't really hang with the kids much these days. I'm like I'd be like that meme of Steve Buscemi <laughs> with the skateboard. Like, how you doing, fellow kids? Like that would be me if I went and hung out with young people these days. But yeah. but the millennials, our generation, Xenios to millennials, we we were raised on Harry Potter and Marvel films, and we don't know how to fucking adult for the life of us. And well. This, I mean, but this goes to the, you know, the, what just made my draw job again, again, back when these, back when it was, you know, we had newspapers and the op-ed column, it, first off, it was limited. Mm-hmm. You didn't have, like the whole paper wasn't op-ed after op-ed right. after op-ed. It was like, you'd get one and it would be about like a very current, usually hot topic. Right. And you would have they would print usually an expert's opinion on the matter. And then the next week they would print another expert's opinion that countered that other expert's opinion. And sometimes they were in the same paper right next to each other. Yeah. mm -hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. You would get you would get those two different opinions. But the key there is that these people, they were qualified experts on the topic, you know, and this this published this op-ed that was published, you know, there, this woman doesn't have a PhD. She's not a, a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. She doesn't, 
I'm like, who the fuck is this? And why are you printing this in the New York Times? And where is the where's the counter? I want to see did the very next week or in the same paper or on the same day? Did you post an op ed by by, you know, a psychologist who spent their entire lives dealing with, you know, children and and, uh, emotional and physical neglect? And, you know, did you print their op-ed where, where they counter this crazy lady being like, uh, no, this isn't okay. Children need interaction. Uh, but what? No, she probably, this, and I, I bet you she has a lot of Instagram followers. Oh yeah. I don't know. I think she has like a blog or something like, and maybe she wrote a book, but it doesn't sound like from what I saw, it doesn't sound like this is an expert who needs to be giving parenting advices. She's a mommy blogger, you right. know, to just some bloke. Which, look, yeah, look, look, make your money however you want. But um, that is just dangerous to put it in the New York Times, you know, like on a big platform like that. I'm like, keep it to your blog, lady. Like, well, And more importantly than what? that, I mean, we all know that the, the traditional institutions of media have been corrupted for a very, very long time now, and they've been compromised. Mm. Their integrity and their ethics are nil. That being said- That goes- yeah, that goes back to the uh, handful of rich people that's that own it. That's them. exactly it. But here's here's because because you know the the reason someone like that is selected to, to write an article like that, and the reason it gets into the New York Times is because it's going to be controversial. Because we're talking about it. Because you and I are mm-hmm. talking about this insipid idea of child raising, <laughs> and it irritates yeah. us as rational human beings. We are going mm-hmm. to discuss it and it's going to get, someone's going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, I'm going to go check out this. Art. I want to read it for myself. I'm going to hate read it for myself. And then mm-hmm. they'll get their clicks and they'll make their money and they don't really care what the end result is or whether or not they get lambasted or anything. It, we see it all the time with the Johnny Depp stuff too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, the, the traditional media platforms do not care whether you think their opinion is valid or not. All they care about is enraging you. It's like you talked about earlier, fear and consumption, right? They just enrage Mm -hmm. you so that you hate read it, hate talk about it, hate reshare it, hate clear it. I mean, I I wish for for tip supporters out there, please do me a favor. Stop retweeting Amber Heard. Stop giving acknowledgement (laughs) to those idiots. Like you're doing exactly what they want you to do. Every time mm-hmm. you retreat, you talk about it, you I mean, obviously speak the truth and counter counter falsehoods, of course, that, yes. But like these people are narcissists. They just want attention. And the same goes for media mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. They just want the clicks. They just want yeah. they just want to be in the zeitgeist, good, bad, or ugly. There's no no such thing as bad news, right? All news is bad all news is good news. Same same mm-hmm. scenario because it all makes someone money in the end. And I think that we would all be better served by number one, laughing off unhinged opinions. And mm-hmm. more importantly, remembering one of my favorite philosophers, I believe his name is CM Punk, who once said, stop taking advice. Uh, sorry, stop taking criticism from people you wouldn't ask for their advice. Yeah. Yeah. Who are these people? Yeah, and why and- do we give a fuck? I don't. Yeah. Consider the source. And that's, you know, that that goes back to, you know, the way I'm using it is emotional manipulation, because it is, whether it's they want you to be outraged, to be angry, or to be fearful, or to feel sympathy, um, that, you know, they they are using um, 
it's entertainment skills. They are using what we do as storytellers, you know, to to compel the audience to 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 come into the story. We we have to emotionally connect. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want you to emotionally connect with the story with the characters. So media now is trying to steal that because they're competing with all the other forms of entertainment mm-hmm. because it's a 24 hour news cycle for everybody now. And so they've got to compete. They've got to get your clicks somehow. So that's when they come up with the most outrageous headlines or they print the most, you know, ignorant opinion pieces or, you know, they, they post that uh, story that they know is going to enrage a mob and, and they just they just want you to click on it. They just want you to reply. They just want you to retweet. They just want you to to engage with it because engagement equals profits. That's it. That's exactly it. That's a. Now, that's it. They okay. they don't personally. I mean, well, I, I mean, I think you know everything comes from your editor. So you might have marching orders. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to a big story, you might have like, okay, this is the side we're going to go on. This is this is our narrative, if you will, but. At the same time, they don't give a shit about most things. They will just chase whatever is more profitable. So, you know, w- when it comes to this upcoming trial, this step her trial, I, you know, I've told everybody, I'm like, just brace yourselves for this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth nonsense, because we've got six weeks to milk this baby. Yeah. They want to milk every last ounce out of it. And they can't do that if you know, within three days, they, they choose a side and they, they stick firm and they, they just pretend like the other side isn't presenting a case. Like it's not going to work. So there's going to be that like wavering back and forth. There's going to be some outlets that refuse to budge from her narrative, but that's because that, that, that's, that's fear. That's fear. They are terrified that they could have been wrong. They are terrified that they could have been supporting something that is they are actually terrified they're supporting the thing that they stand against right that that's the that's the biggest thing so and that's i'm talking about like hard um we'll call them feminist uh outlet you know certain things like that where the believe women narrative is gospel Mm -hmm. you cannot waver you cannot waver they won't waver until i i don't even know what would make them waver some of them i think they you know, there could be 47 videos well, of her whooping on there's him. No profit, that wouldn't do there's it. no profit in nuance <laughs> or the gray area, right? right. No, one, no one loyally subscribes to your newspaper because you've taken an even-killed approach to terrible, terrible allegations. That's not newsworthy. That's not clickworthy. That is not going to yeah. entice uh, in, in, an explosion of emotions. There's no money mm-hmm. in being nuanced or adding context or taking a – thoughtful approach to a very complicated and difficult situation. There is no money in that. And therefore mm-hmm. they don't care if it doesn't matter if they ruin a reputation around a certain base, they'll bank on the fact that the other base loves the hell out of them. And yeah. all you have to do is look at CNN and Fox news. Do you think yeah. either of those stations care if the, if the audience of the other thinks that they're terrible, Mm-mm. they're making money hand over fist. They're they're wiping it's, their teeth with mean, their fucking hundred dollar bills. Yeah, and in this particular instance, you know, we're talking about two celebrities, so it, it's salacious is is what they want right here. 
and we've already seen it, so we we know that they want those salacious sound bites. They aren't really interested in the boring facts, you know. Right. They they want they want whatever's they want that headline that's going to make people go whoa, yeah, and click. It's it's a spectacle. That's what they want. It's a spectacle, just like Marvel movies in the theater. Mm-hmm. It's a big giant and, car crash that you can't keep your eyes away from. Yeah. And it is it is disgusting in the sense that, you know, these are very serious allegations. And uh, I can't I can't stand the people who are just like, yeah, both are as bad. I'm like, no, you need to be real right now, because what we're talking about here is that it's so bad. It's so egregious that one of these people has to be lying horrifically. Yeah. And. That's not both as bad. Like, no, but you see, don't look up. (laughs) I still haven't. Okay. No, <laughs> this doesn't ruin much. It's, it's it's a short bit. It's a joke, but there's a moment where there's there's these two very opposing sides to whether or not an asteroid is coming to Earth in the mm-hmm. trailer. So I'm not ruining anything there. And they cut away. You know, they're like there's like this. I think it's like a montage of like different news sources covering it, the exact stuff stuff we're talking about, right? And they cut away to this uh, um, press junket interview with an actor who's played. Oh God. Uh, it's played by Chris Evans. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember if he's playing himself or he's playing some, you know, fictional actor. But he's he's playing an extension of like every Hollywood actor, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a pin on his on his sweater that has an arrow pointing up and pointing down. And he was saying, you know, personally, I think we need to unify on this front. I think we should look up and down in like the most <laughs> the most smug, like flaccid Hollywood. Hollywood way, yeah, and um, yeah. it's exactly like when I when I hear about people who are like they're both in the wrong, it reminds me of that. Like, mm-hmm. We should look up and down, and down, and like, yeah. Like, how I, proud I, of themselves they are for like I, peace, yeah. you know. It is very, it is very like superiority. It mm-hmm. is. I'm, I'm so above this, and I have the ability to say uh, both of these people are terrible human beings, <laughs> and I don't care. Right. I'm like, I love that part too. Like, you just expressed an opinion and said you don't care. Like, you clearly do because you bothered to form and express your opinion, so you care to some. Well, level. they care like, for the attention that they get. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know it. And it, again, it goes back to that, like, we, we we can't have civil debates or discourse anymore. It's, you know, people just don't know how. You you, you know, po- somebody posts an opinion about something and, oh, you know, we, even the Will Smith thing, the whataboutisms. Well, the whataboutisms. He is. And my favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite was, uh, you know, when the Oscars or when the Academy said we're going to ban him for 10 years. All the people who were like with the whataboutism, what about Harvey Weinstein? What about the, what about Polanski? And I'm like, you should Google it because <laughs> they're both banned yeah. from the Academy. Yeah. Um, like these people, it's like, I'm sorry you missed that news, but it did happen. And your whataboutism just fell through the cracks. Yeah. Like, like, and also you can't go back in time and change things. Like, there's this idea that people want us to go back in time and it's, it's looking at history through today's lens and insisting that history matches up. Uh, I think honestly, uh, it's not, it's not that it's uh, that they're full of shit (laughs) is what it is. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) The people who, the people with the what about isms 
right? Yeah. The people who make everyone a demon, Nazi, communist, mm-hmm. pedo, whatever. But that's my, that's my thing. Like you're going back and hit. Like they'll 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 take some historical figure. We've seen it with novelists now. Sure. You know, like oh oh no oh you found out that they're problematic. So now we have to ban everything they've ever done for like what? No, I mean they don't, they don't care. They, they let's look. I'm. <laughs> If you call a spade a spade, they don't really give a shit. Even the people who think that they mm-hmm. care, they don't really care. There was a really, really great blog that Mark Man- Manson put out that talks about the cycle of outrage. And mm-hmm. you can apply it. It's a model that you can apply to every major, oh, that was brilliant. Every yeah. major news event. And the reality of it is, is that most people don't really care. They don't really mm-hmm. care, but they feel compelled to give the opinion, even if the opinion is to look up and down. Like, and it so. doesn't matter. Like, that is just what they feel compelled to do. So they are part of the zeitgeist movement and they feel like they have done something proud and they can go back to jerking off on their couch with Cheeto finger dust. <laughs> as this is the reality of these people. These are unhinged, ill prepared men and women children who spend too much time on the internet and don't have a core value of their life that they can put their efforts into. And therefore they find whatever cause is in the news for that day. And they chime in their opinion that nobody asked for and has no validation and has no, and because in a postmodernist world, nothing matters and therefore everything matters You don't have to be an export or have any concept of what you're talking about. All you have to do is say it loud enough. And when you say it Mm -hmm. loud enough, enough people will say, well, it's pretty loud. It must, there must be something to it. And therefore you'll be validated or you won't. And even if you're invalidated Mm -hmm. or you're uh, ratioed, as the kids say, that (laughs) still drives up your engagement. And therefore you're still getting the attention that you need. I've said this on the podcast Mm -hmm. before, but I, I, keep wanting to go back to it because one of the core principles of, a, of gambling addiction is not an mm. addiction to winning solely. It's the oh. addiction. The addiction is rooted in winning and losing, looking up and down. It's, uh? it's because it's that, it's that cycle of elation and despair that is the addictive quality. If someone only won or only lost – the compulsion mm-hmm. would be a lot weaker, but because you're in that endless roller coaster cycle, you're gripped by it. You're you're captivated by it. This is what, look. We're filmmakers, right? What is filmmaking based on? Tension and drama. Yes. What, how- I was just about to say every, everything that that's that has to be in every story, every character. You can't if you just do one note. You know, as they say, all the way across, human beings can't relate to that. Yeah. That's actually. I mean, that would be. That would be what it would be to, you know, tell the story of a psychopath. Yeah. Essentially. A true psychopath. Yeah. A true psychopath would be so boring. Um, and just, you know, their their presence would be so boring. What they might do might be crazy, but their presence would be so boring that people wouldn't actually engage if they were being portrayed in the way, typically speaking. Yeah. But it goes to that, you know, human beings, you can't sustain one. Uh, emotional state no. permanently. No. So you get on. So, no. so we take that out of the world of movies, right? And we apply that mm-hmm. to what media does. Oh, I get what I'm doing. They're, they're creating drama. Oh, you look on social mm-hmm. media, the person who chimes in their opinion, their insipid opinion about whatever 
banal celebrity salacious headline is in the news today doesn't really matter. What matters is that they are just, they speak and they're heard and it doesn't matter if you agree with it or you disagree with it. That cycle of outrage will keep you addicted, which is what the social media platforms want, which then keeps their Mm -hmm. engagement in. And so we're all perpetually stuck in the Twittering machine because in the end, there is no real consensus of morality being applied. It is simply the the speaking to whatever team you think you belong to and then letting both the praise and the pushback fulfill your, uh, your, your addiction to being noticed. Mm-hmm. Ego. It's ego. That's it. Always. It is. But- I mean, I've, I've said for a while, I think that um, social media in particular, it, it has just been, oh, it is the fuel for narcissism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is everything that you want because, you know, you can, you can put whatever you want out there and you can get immediate validation for whatever it is. You know, and but it's also funny to me when people use something like Twitter, like a platform like that. And, you know, they they form a thought. They hit that tweet button. They send it out for the whole world to potentially see, even if you don't have many followers, if it's not a private tweet, the the world could see it. You know, they want the world to see it. Yeah. But they'll, they'll be talking about this, you know, big subject, controversial subject, whatever. And then they get surprised when strangers come into their replies. <laughs> well, because, and that goes back to what I was talking about. You know, I've, I've made this joke before as well. Like the sort of glib comment that were raised on Harry Potter were raised on these, these, you know, mythology traditionally has been the way we sort of implement morality and norms in the culture. And for our mm-hmm. more modern post 20th century culture, entertainment is where is our new mythology. So our mythology for an entire generation has been, what was there, like six Harry Potter movies? Nine? I don't know. A lot, a lot of them. A lot of movies. I haven't ever watched it, any of okay. them. So. They, got, <laughs> they got wizards and um, kids that look like the Beatles. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and Marvel films where there's very clear good guys and very clear bad guys. And it's, mm-hmm. almost like a, it's almost like a throwback to 1950s morality, those sort of hard-boiled cop yeah. shows. And so there is no nuance. And everyone mm-hmm. – and I've held this belief for a long time. Everyone believes they're a good guy. Everyone's the good guy of their own story. So mm-hmm. when there is pushback as a ill-equipped for adulthood generation, we're <laughs> we're we're uh, bamboozled. We're we're confluffled. Uh, we're <laughs> we're, uh, we're we're we we lose our bananas, so to speak, because mm-hmm. that's not how it works in Harry Potter land. Harry Potter beats Voldemort every time I've watched the movie 50 fucking times. Like I'm, I am, you know, I'm Hermione. This is, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to win the smartest spelling bee contest. This is, what do you mean? There's this world doesn't give a shit who I am. This is what occurs. Nazi, but this, okay. So this is where, because I haven't watched Harry Potter, but I have watched many of the Marvel films, but is this because I, I would have thought that those characters all would have had, challenges to overcome and do but they do like the in the way that the scooby-doo gang has challenges to overcome right they have those Mm -hmm. challenges but 
they're all wrapped up pretty neatly by the end of the movie. And you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's like people who die, like the Robert Patterson dies, spoilers. Um, and he's a minor, <laughs> he's a minor character, whatever. It's an old series. Um, right. So that you know, yes, yes. The, as in as traditional filmmaking, there is some degree of emotional stress and what have you. But your core characters almost always live. And in mm-hmm. the end, it's a happy ending. And, you know, yeah. people really only remember the beginning and end of any story anyhow. So they just remember right. it starts happy, it ends happy, and you kind of forget the conflict in the middle. And and I think well, that that sort of has has warped the mindset of a lot of folks of this generation. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think that, that what needs a comeback is in, you know, kind of the anti-hero hero, the hero who has some questionable characteristics, has some uh, maybe questionable methods, maybe, uh, you know, that, and even and even give the, the villain, you know, something that makes you go, hmm. Because, you know, those stories, they're just better stories. Now, I, right? Yeah. When- now, I will give, look, I've, I've shit on Marvel a bunch, and I do like a lot of their movies, so I don't want to totally shit on them. <laughs> but I will say this. They did a great job of that Endgame. I'm oh, sorry, not Endgame. Mm-hmm. The one before that, Infinity War, thought with Thanos, the Thanos character. They did, yeah. they did give the setup where like you could presumably empathize or at least try to understand his mm-hmm perspective even if you disagree with it however in endgame they basically re- replaced that more nuanced thanos with the evil mustache twirling version of thanos who just wanted to watch the mm-hmm. world burn and so we're right mm-hmm. back to that like ultimate good versus ultimate bad and there's not room mm-hmm. for shades of gray there's only like you know these these sort of moments of uh triumph and that's what everyone kind of expects to get out of life and then they they form their opinion and they share it online and then they're like oh fuck you mean the world doesn't think that i'm yeah. captain america how so weird i'm not captain marvel yeah. oh my god i couldn't imagine i don't know what yeah. to do myself yeah well i mean maybe it's because we're talking about you know when so that kind of nuance wasn't present all the way leading up to that right mm-hmm. you, you really didn't i although i mean in my opinion you know, the start of it, the start of the Marvel franchise was Iron Man. Mm-hmm. That that character alone. Look, you have a man who made his billions by, you know, creating the war machine, you know, by 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 helping kill people. And there so there was that sort of and he's very narcissistic. He, you know, he was that antihero. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like the people have forgotten where it started because it's like you should be able to see that look not everything is black and white and sometimes you know life just ain't fair <laughs> yeah life just ain't fair and i think that and, people feel that i think that they people mm-hmm. feel that life isn't fair they just don't have the tools to understand it and so mm-hmm. they cling to banners and perspectives that thinks that make them feel like they're contributing in some positive way to the betterment of society. When in the reality is that most of the time they're actually contributing to the worst aspects of our society with the blind allegiance to this side or the that side to the 
over-reliance on social media and outrage and things of that nature. Um, I think that when we look at it from sort of a 50,000 foot view, I do think that the seeds of discontent are there. It's just Mm -hmm. that we don't know what to do with it yet. And it's going to be a very awkward and painful discovery process that I think is going to be championed by the generation after us, you know? Yeah. I mean, my, what I would say is, Learn to think for yourself. Yes, that's and and part of learning to think for yourself means that you have to hear, a, you know, other differencing opinions. Uh, yeah, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, when I was a kid, I had a, a speech impediment, and I'm sure for anyone who listens to this show on a regular basis, you'll often hear me mispronounce words or slur words, and I do my best to kind of cut those moments out. But there's plenty of times where I, I stumble over speaking, and I remember growing up you know, initially feeling shame when I mispronounced something. And as I got older, I learned to accept being corrected because I never wanted to be the person who for my entire life said something incorrectly and no one out of, you know, a misguided uh, sympathy or compassion never corrected me. Yeah. And, and therefore I would, I would look like a fool in people's minds mm-hmm. for my entire life versus someone saying, Hey, that's not quite the right way. Uh, you pronounce, you pronounce mucilix, you, you pronounce the cereal mucilix, not mega nukes. And <laughs> some of my friends will laugh when they hear this, but like it's, you know, you know, I used to struggle with the word shoulder. I still kind of pause before I say it. Cause I would say shoulder. Mm. So if someone doesn't correct me, if someone doesn't say it's not white, right, it's not white, rice, it's right, white rice. I still struggle to say it. I'm 41. Um, (laughs) If someone hadn't explained those things to me, as difficult as it may have been to hear, if if I had not experienced embarrassment, hardship, heartache, um, a deflation of ego, then I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I wouldn't be the person I'm going to be in 10 years. Speaking of Oscar Mm -hmm. moments, there was a famous, often chastised uh, acceptance speech from Matthew McConaughey when he won for Dallas Buyers Club. And he was telling a story about when he was a young man, someone asked him who his hero was. And he thought about it. And the guy said, give it some thought. He said, yes. He's like, who's your hero? And he said, me in 10 years. 10 years pass. Ooh. The guy, this person comes back up to Matthew McConaughey. He said, it's been 10 years. Are you your hero now? And Matthew McConaughey says, oh my God, no. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. But you know what? In 10 years, that's guys, my hero, and so on and so forth, right? And he, what he's trying to say mm-hmm. is that we should always be striving to be the best versions of ourselves, knowing that we're going to fail a million times along the way. And that is not only okay, but part of the mm-hmm. growth process. And so when we look back at sort of society as a whole, and we look at some of the more irritating things that exist, things that are fuel for the content of your new YouTube channel, we can start to recognize where we're in a very awkward growth spurt. Everything hurts. We're starting to get Mm -hmm. funny places. (laughs) We kind of stink a little bit. Uh Voices are cracking. We're in a trans, a very awkward, painful transitional phase from the, the pinnacle of neoliberalism and everything that comes attached with that to whatever our next stage is from, mm-hmm. you know, the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. We are clearly in a hugely transformative state 
And so, mm-hmm. and it's going to be very awkward and, and uncomfortable along the process. And so what I would say to folks is when you recognize absurdity, t- laugh at it and tell it to go fuck off and move about your day. It's not worth mm-hmm. you. And, and seek uh, dissenting voices to be in your circle of friends. Yes. Diversify the cultural norms that you come into contact with so that you can expand your own horizon and help formulate and strengthen your own personal beliefs, challenge yourself constantly. And most importantly, we talk about engagement and clicks and, and being a voice that, that rises above the static, go follow Christina's YouTube channel, because I guarantee you, (laughs) thank you. See how I did that. It's called radio. Uh, I guarantee you <laughs> that you will be challenged with some of the things that you say. So take this as an opportunity to plug your YouTube channel. You've done three or four videos now. I forget, but they're, I've seen the two uh, recorded videos. I only saw part of the live yeah. stream. Uh, yeah. I missed the well, size. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I, yeah, I've, I think I have two, um, two, two uploaded that are, that are, sort of just me monologuing Mm -hmm. and then i've got another one uh in the works you know in the edit bay and then um i just started doing the live streams and and uh you know just kind of was giving it a practice because i'd never done it so i'm i'm over here figuring out the software and everything (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm just winging it (laughs) just winging it but you know my my initial thought with it was to again sort of present what it kind of goes to good manners, you know, talking about ethics, but also just kind of rational thinking, you know, just it's humorous, but it's, it's remember when you could, you could have, you could be friends with somebody who had different opinions than you. Um, And, and the importance of uh, learning and growing. And, you know, they, they say that you become, the sum of like the five people you surround yourself mm-hmm. with, right? So if you're the smartest person, the most successful person in, you know, just the greatest person in your friend group, if that's how you think um, you're in the wrong friend group, mm-hmm. you know, you need to seek other people who are better than you in some capacity, mm-hmm. you know, it, whether it's, whether it's, Oh, this person, is, you know, is financially better than me, or this person is, you know, um, a, a real, a thinker, a challenger, you know, uh, maybe somebody else is, is more uh, emotionally available, things like that. You know, you've got to find your weaknesses and surround yourself with people who challenges the, those weaknesses, as well as just in general, like, challenging your opinion on things because that's the only way you grow. I agree. And so it is, it's like this, we've been through this time of just, uh, you know, you do call them immature and it it does feel like that. It's just like stilted growth Mm -hmm. where there's generations of people who just stopped trying and they don't want to because, you know, look, growth is hard. It's painful. So is, you know, change is hard. It's painful. Healing is hard. It's painful. But on the other side of that is something great, but you can't get there if you don't go through the pain. Agreed. And going through the pain means, look, you got to step outside your comfort zone. And so you do have to, you know, I, I love to click on, on people's, uh, you know, especially like YouTubers, 
you know, there's podcasts, there's shows, there's whatever, who just like, oh, this is somebody talking about something I would never listen to or consider or, you know, you have your go to's, but you should you should also just try to go outside and and pick different things and try to hear what somebody else says. And then remember that it's not the end of the world if you're wrong. Like, there seems to be this feeling that like being wrong now or saying you were wrong is like a death sentence. Right. And I don't know if that's the the cancellation effect, you know, like, oh, here's your bad tweet from 10 years ago. You're canceled. It might be. Here's a trick. Here's a trick about canceling, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you all a little a little peek behind the curtain. This is how you can avoid being canceled. Because I'm certain that someone who's listening to this podcast or whatever has seen me on social media has canceled me in some circle of people. Um, <laughs> put your phone down. Mm-hmm. That's it. Put your phone down. Unless on the rare occasion you've done something criminal, just put your phone mm-hmm. down. Put your phone down and walk yeah. away, and then all the canceling in the world can't touch you it exists in the fiction of people's mind largely i'm not saying it doesn't have a real impact it does it does have a real impact but it only has as much of an impact as we allow it to and Mm -hmm. you're a southerner so i I think that you'll appreciate this little southern colloquialism it's like getting a haircut it'll grow back yeah if you say something if you think something the wrong way if you if you held an opinion that in 10 years you look back at and you're embarrassed by and you're like oh yeah oh gosh how did i think that yeah just like a haircut when you were a kid i used to have a bowl cut you know what Uh it grows out (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i i mean and again it's okay to change it's okay it's okay to say oh wow i was an idiot then i'm glad i know better now yeah but and also just you know, and sometimes canceling backfires. So there, there's that. <laughs> sure people, tr- people tried it on me, and uh, it didn't work out quite the way they intended. But you know, and and of course, the biggest thing is, look, if you never want to face any um, criticism, then you can't exist in this world. You can't speak in this world. You, you know, you will ultimately say something that's going to make someone upset or angry or outraged or, you know, offended, whatever, you know, and look, that's just the way it is. If somebody, and also if somebody is looking to be offended, if they are looking to be outraged, they're just going to find whatever they want. Like they're, if they're looking to be mad at you, to hate you, to bring you down, they'll find it, you know, they'll just dig and dig and dig. And if they can't really find it, they'll just make it up, you know? (laughs) So who cares? So who cares? Yeah. But hopefully, uh, you know, it does seem like people in general are looking for, uh, you know, I can, I can say it. I was very surprised as soon as I started posting, I got, you know, slew of people commenting and, and, you know, they weren't only saying, wow, you're really funny, but they were saying, uh, you know, Oh wow! I, le- I like what a solid point you made there. You know, and um, that's kind of the goal is to be like, look. Sometimes you just need to take a step back from your bubble, <laughs> yep. and uh, have some fresh air. Like come come outside and and breathe some fresh air and think at it a different way. You know, like just try a different angle. Try a different approach. I like that. Ask a diff- ask a different question. Um, let somebody else ask you a different question. 
that's really key. Yeah. You know, people, I think people just get scared. Somebody asks you a question that you've, you don't know anything about. Oh, oh what do you do? You know, yeah. can, can, can you admit, I don't know anything about that. I, I don't want to form an opinion. You know, that's what's lost. The ability to say, look, I'm not informed, so I'm not going to express an opinion. And, it, and it's, it's this, you know, immediate need to interact that comes from mainly social media. It's, you know, here's a story. Here's a headline. You must react mm -hmm. now because, because what's news right now will be, it, it's new news now, but it will be old news in, you know, two hours. Right. We, we've we've gone from like the 48 hour new like you know a story is new for like 48 hours to like now it's new for two hours if you're lucky it's yeah it's so so fast and especially if it's like a developing thing oh well now there's a different da, 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 da. oh my god so you've got to react to every new development and this is how they this is what they're doing because again that 24 hour cycle they have to just churn out as much as they can to get as much engagement so you know, we don't, there was a time where you waited for all the facts to report the story. Right. Those, those days are gone. Now it's, we're going to say what's happening right now. And then, and then, oh, oh, five minutes later. Oh, this, and then five minutes later, and then five minutes later. And, you know, the story can change completely from what it originated as. Right. But some, but some people will only catch that original headline or story. And, you know, they formed their opinion on it. And now they're stuck there. Cause they didn't get the update. Right. Well, <laughs> well, for people who are tired of, of the traditional sort of outlets by which we are manipulated, informed, disinformed, and who are looking for a breath of fresh air with Christina Pykos, yes. where can they find you? Plug your YouTube, plug your social media, plug whatever you want to plug. Plug them, plug them all. Like uh, it's pretty Pokemon. easy to find me. <laughs> huh? Like Pokemon, plug them on, plug them all. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's pretty easy to find me. Uh, it, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, under Christina Pichels. Uh You can find me on all of them. I'm, I'm assuming, Dave, you're going to tag me. Sir. Yeah, I will. You know? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> So that makes it because do I need to spell my last name? You know, that's that's the key. It's P-Y-K-L-E-S. And check out <laughs> check out her YouTube, because I, I think that the videos that yeah. you're making are really going to resonate with people. It sounds like they already are. And I really believe that there is a space for people who are bold enough to just say things that used to just be called common sense, just little common sense. I know. You know, but we've lost that. And I think that we are hungry for it. I think that we, whether we recognize it or not, the discontent that we experience is it create has created a yearning for something that feels real and authentic. And mm -hmm. I think that you have been able to do that in such a charismatic and creative way, the infusion of satire, comedy, but also some hard truths I think will be really appealing to folks who are looking for that fresh voice. And so I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to urge people to check out your work and hopefully whenever we have our, uh, your next on-screen uh, role, we'll be plugging that as well. So Christina, I want to thank you yeah. so much for being on the show. Uh, go check out her YouTube channel, Christina Pykels underscore Pykels. 
Um, on YouTube, actually, I think it's uh, Christina Marie Peichels. My middle name is still in there because that's how old my YouTube channel is. Well, I will <laughs> when I post this on the Twitter, I'll put a link to your YouTube channel as well because I think you're doing some really great work. So thank you once again. I appreciate it. I had really fun chatting with you, and we'll chat soon. Yes, thank you. I want to thank Christina once again for her time and her insights and her candidness. You know, we look around the world and it feels like more and more we're driven towards answering in a manner that is what we think is appropriate or we think is within the best interest to maintain our our status within the cultural norms. And there's value in that. Certainly, if you, uh, you know, the, the, the virtue of, of societal pressure has led to great many things. I mean, social rights and uh, the ability to, to have religious freedoms, for example, as I record this on Easter Sunday. You know, it's through cultural norms and sometimes cultural pressure that keeps folks from taking advantage of the system and taking advantage of those around them. However, in more recent times, especially with the with the uh, the rise of the internet and how quickly t- news travels and how fast the news programs work and and how much further away from what we like to call you know journalistic integrity we have gotten, it seems like we aren't just putting pressure on one another to behave ourselves. We're putting pressure on one another to reach a standard that is unrealistic. We leave no room for mistakes of the past, nor do we leave room to correct those mistakes and grow and become better people. And I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you, if there is no path to admitting one's mistakes, is there? if there's no allowance for folks to make a wrong turn, however would we expect them to make the right turn? However would we expect them to be better tomorrow than they are today? One of the great fallacies of this current culture of trying to root out the evil at every turn is this idea that if you just cancel someone, if you just kick them off Twitter, if you just get them fired from their job, then all of a sudden the world is a better place. But the fact of the matter is, monsters in the dark are still monsters. Just because you turn the lights off doesn't mean the world is less filled with evil. The only way that we can actually try to make the world a better place is to do the old camping method. Clean up the environment that you and the mess that you left and clean a few more feet beyond that. Go above and beyond not only yourself being a good person, but helping the things and the people around you to be better also. And if we all did that, if we all not only cleaned up our own mess, but also help clean up around ourselves, make the world a bit prettier, just beyond our sphere of life and influence, then perhaps this world would be rid of far more monsters than it has now. And we wouldn't have to turn the lights off and we wouldn't have to, tick, we wouldn't have to stick our head in the sand. We would simply be allowing a space for people to get better, to improve, and to find their place in society in a manner that makes all people comfortable. And the best way we do that is to start expanding our our definition of what tolerance is and acceptance. It's giving space for people to live the way that they want to, so long as not harming others without judgment, without criticism, and certainly without holding them to a standard that is arbitrary and oftentimes the accuser themselves can also not live up to. Compassion and understanding and love 
in my opinion, is the only way to make the world a better place. And while that may not initially satiate one's ego, this idea that we've made the world a better place because we canceled them or we kicked them off the internet or we got them fired, you might not, it's it's a slower burn. It's a slower process, but it's a lasting one and it's a real one. It's a, It's one that actually makes the world a better place. And so one must ask yourself, do I actually care about making the world better? Or am I just worried about what everyone's thinking about me? And if it's the latter, what part of my soul am I giving up to do that? And what's the value of it? I want to thank you all for listening once again. As always, this is a labor of love for you all. And I do appreciate that I get listeners from all around the world. I know sometimes it's difficult with my job to always maintain a consistent schedule. And yet you stay with me and you tune in week after week. And actually, numbers are growing. So thank you. I mean, I am humbled by the fact that people would tune in for an hour, an hour and a half every week and listen to me and most importantly, my guest and hearing their stories and their perspectives. And I urge you all to share your stories and your perspectives. If there's anything on this podcast you would like to hear, if there's anything that you would like me to touch upon, please let me know. I do truly believe that this podcast is in a collaboration between those reasonable-minded people who live in the world, who are seeking some enchantment and some freedom, and myself. It's a conversation. That's all this show has ever been, and that's all this show will ever be. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. If you celebrate Easter, happy Easter to you. If you celebrate uh, Belton, it's coming up very shortly. Uh, And if you don't celebrate at all, or you celebrate something completely different, Passover, gold rings on all of you. Gold rings on you for listening. And gold rings on you, and prosper stays ahead. 